Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. What's happening guys welcome back to another show uh, this week we've got a fantastic guest for you someone who is really experienced foundation phase specialist it's paul gray uh, who's currently head of uh, foundation phase at blackburn rovers obviously blackburn's got a really strong tradition of developing some top top players paul's had a great career uh, working all around the northwest at clubs like accrington stanley preston north end blackpool also did a stint over in norway with bodo glimt uh, so lots of great knowledge to share, uh, really obviously intelligent, experienced guy, speaks really well about the game, so had a real good hour-long chat about, about football here, and particularly about uh, development in the foundation phase. So this is a, a top, top episode uh, with a top, top coach, and one uh, I know you're going to enjoy. And stay tuned, got lots and lots of podcasts lined up, like I say, challenges to get you out one a week at least, uh, so stay tuned and enjoy the show. So Paul Gray, welcome to the show. Thanks all. Good to be here. Thanks for coming, mate. Just uh, can you give us a brief description of your playing and coaching journey up to this point, please? Uh, yeah, so um, didn't play as a, a professional, just um, played amateur football. Um, coaching for quite a long time, since I was about 15 years old. Uh, Starting grassroots, uh, did that for a long time. Um, went over to America, coached in America for a year. Um, and then decided I wanted to take the plunge and that's what I wanted to do for a career. Um, managed to get a, a part-time job working at Preston North End. I then moved over to Accrington Stanley, got a full-time job there. Moved from Accrington Stanley to, to Blackpool, uh, Blackpool to Preston North End. Briefly went out to Norway uh, last year for, for a year, worked at Bruder Glimt uh, and I'm back in the UK now at, at Blackburn Rovers. Wow, that's a well like so pretty. You're doing this, just doing a tour of the north there, aren't you? You've done every like most northern clubs, there's not that many to go. So, tell us about that. So, you said you're in America, tell us about that experience briefly. Yeah, that was um, a really good experience for me. Um, I've been I've been coaching for a long time, but, but just working in, in grassroots football and, and um, community coaching. Um, but I had a bit of a life changing experience in terms of. Uh, Alongside that coaching part-time and, and voluntary, I was working with the family business for, for my dad. Um, he actually had a heart attack. He's all right now. He's still with us now. Oh, wow. Um, and he was actually led on uh, his, his hospital bed all wired up and stuff. I was actually the first person that, that got to him before the ambulance. He was in his car. And uh, anyway, later on that night, he, he actually said to me, uh, you need to go and do what you want to do now. I want. I don't want you to have the stress of looking after a business that actually you, you don't really want to do. You need to go and do what you want to do now. Um, and those words kind of stayed with me for a while. And I'd always coached. I'd always loved football. I'd always been involved in football. So, yeah, so I, I took the decision pretty quickly after that to head out to America and, and go out there for a year, work for MLS camps, just traveling around, uh, coaching in clubs and, and doing camps and things. Just a really, really good experience, coaching every day um, with different players, uh, different abilities, different clubs, and just loads of different experiences. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's cool. like, I did that for a couple of years as well, and I always go back to that you know, like you say, every day on the grass, like, you know, every day, a few hours, like it's, it's a uh, priceless, isn't it? That, that contact time with all the different sorts of players in terms of developing you. Also a big thing about developing your personality, you've got to be a big personality out there and that sort of thing as well. Right. Yeah. Massively. Um, it, it really lit the fire in me, um, wanting to, to help people get better and, and wanting to work in football every day. And yeah, it was, I, I had some really great experiences out there met some really, really good people, like friends for life over there and people who I work with from the UK. So yeah, that that really made the decision for me that, yeah, I wanted to go and pursue that, that and I, that's what I wanted a career in football. 
So then tell us about that. You come back. How did you get the job at Accrington Stanley? Yeah, so I came back and my, my initial plan when I was out in the States was actually to go back out there. I loved it that much. Um, but a few people out there said, oh, uh, have you got a degree? And I said, no, no, I, I didn't go to uni after, mm. after, after college because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And they all said, oh, if you haven't got a, a degree, you ain't going to get a job in America. So um, I looked into studying over there or, or studying back in, back in England. Um, and it, it worked out that it was going to be easier to study in the UK for, for three years. So I, so I actually went back to uni at the age of 26, I think I was, um, enrolled at university in, in Preston. Um, and the plan was to, to do my degree and then go back out to the States. Didn't really work out that way. Um, alongside my degree, I um, <clears throat> got loads of experiences uh, coaching in this country. So I started working for Man United Soccer Schools, which allowed me to, again, travel all over the world and coach, travel uh, all over the UK and coach. I uh, started um, coaching a, a, a girls grassroots team. Um, I started working for Preston North End in the community. So loads and loads of different types of coaching. Um, and I just filled my, all my spare time from uni coaching and, and coaching different age groups and different levels of ability and stuff. And then obviously that led to um, an opening at Accrington Stanley. Uh, so this was, oh, what was this? This was probably 10, 11 years ago. And Accrington had just started their centre of excellence at, at the time. Um, so yeah, so that was a, a really interesting one. I was part-time for a few months at Accrington. Um, and then it was right at the start of EPPP. So it was kind of a bit of like right place, right time. Uh, and then a full-time job became available, lead foundation phase, coach. Um, so I, I applied and, and ended up getting it. So then tell us a bit about what, what were your first uh, impressions of academy football? And then what were the challenges of, I assume you, you basically got to, you know, write the programme and syllabus, you know, you go into EPPP, it's a lot of paperwork and that sort of thing. What was that experience like as well? Yeah, so <clears throat> lot, lots of challenges at Accrington. At the time, probably the smallest club in, in, the, in the football league at the time with the smallest attendances, brand new like centre of excellence. And I think they'd basically just gone and just got all the best local grassroots players and kind of put them together. Um, and like you say, it was right at the beginning of EPPP and there was no curriculum in place. And yeah, it was... Um, yeah, it was, it, it was a, a big challenge. And I, I, I seem to remember back then, I was working like seven days a week. Uh, luckily, I didn't have any kids back then. And uh, mm. yeah, it was, uh, it, it was interesting. But a time again that I would never swap um, because I think from that first start in Centre of Excellence or Academy Football, probably since then, everything's got easier. <laughs> 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 so you hit, the road, you hit the road running. Well, it's interesting because you talked about, you know, you're doing all those hours on the grass in America. And now suddenly all those hours and also, as people know, academy football, it comes with the office stuff as well. And you're pretty much, you know, you just hit the, hit the ground running with that one as well and get that experience in the locker as well straight away. Yeah, straight away. I mean, and especially because it was right at the start, I think at the time, I think the full-time staff in the programme, I think, was probably only at the time there was probably uh, academy manager, head of coaching, and me lead foundation phase coach. That that was it. They weren't. They hadn't even employed a <clears throat> youth development phase coach because the head of coaching was doing both. And yeah, yeah. so it, it's basically four full time members of staff looking after a hundred and whatever players. And um, tell us about your curriculum. Then tell us about that glorious first. You know the first edition that's come out of the Paul Gray handbook of you know. Oh wow! Sessions and stuff. <laughs> I, I look, I look back now, and I think, oh wow, what, what was, what was I thinking? Like, what, what was I doing? And I guess in in the last, in the last 11, 12 years, I, from from my experiences, I think we've we've come a long way in terms of uh, what we're delivering to the the players on the grass. I remember back then. I look back and and I think you know I. It was week one passing. 
week two dribbling week three <laughs> shooting anything oh yeah and, and I just think yeah it was um it was just kind of everyone you just had to tick the boxes didn't you and it was kind of yeah. right what, what we're going to put together what we're going to put together for the, for the players and yeah I think looking at the programs and the curriculums that we have in place now compared to 10, 11 years ago, I think it looks a lot, a lot different. Well, it's, well, it's, it's quite a tall order. I mean, if you just no disrespect, I mean, I spent a couple of years in America as well, and I disrespect the MLS camps and stuff and the grassroots, but academy football is different, you know, and there's a step up in terms of quality and expectations. So it's difficult to go in and send you there, you're at the top and you've got to produce that, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's quite a tall order. So like I say, yeah. I suppose those experiences are priceless, right? And they, they hold you in good stead for the future. Oh yeah, 100%. Sink or swim type thing or fight or flight or if you want to talk it, talk, talk call it. <laughs> Just yeah. so let's talk about then let's talk about let's move on. Got, I want to get through all these all these clubs you worked at, you worked at a few. Talk about then your next role at Blackpool, how that come about and what the main differences and you know com- comparisons, contrasts, similarities. Um so obviously Accrington, brilliant experience, really tough day in, day out. You're kind of fighting against the big boys, not a massive budget, but some really good, invaluable experiences. And then the opportunity to um, go to Blackpool came along. Um, they had just dropped out of the Premier League. So it was, it was, it was kind of the, um, the season they'd just been in the Premier League. I think Paul Ince was the manager. Um, wow, I, forgot, I forgot about them in the Premier League, I'll be honest. That's, that's yeah. like a, probably a while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it was that season. Paul Ince was the manager. Um Brand new academy manager, brand new head of coaching. Um, I just remember going and, and looking at the the stadium at the time, and obviously that year in the Premier League, they'd obviously spent a little bit of money, and it looked great. And um, I think they'd managed to recruit some really good local players because of um, because of that season in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, it was it was definitely a step up in terms of facilities players that you're working with week in, week out, uh, day in, day out. Um, but again, um, at the time there was, um, they had some issues with with ownership and a few problems off the field. And yeah, so again, it was definitely a step up, but you know, some, some tough times as well, really. And what, what are the main differences in terms of, you know, day to day, I mean, was it facilities and all the quality of players or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So d- definitely easier in terms of facilities. When I was at Accrington, we, we were always, always scratching around looking for um, looking for somewhere to train and, and, and play and stuff. You know, it was it, it was good, but it was it was tough, but a little bit more settled at Blackpool. Um and then, and again, works with some some really good staff. Um, Richie Kyle was at was at Blackpool at the time as as the head of coaching. He's obviously gone on to um, to work for the England uh, underage teams, and and I think he's at Forest Green Rovers now. So um, it was great working day in day out with, with Richie. They had some real success on the pitch at, at under eighteen level. So I think they had a couple of. Uh, league wins and a couple of good FA Youth Cup wins, so it was good to be to be around that. And, and like I said, that season in the Premier League, they managed to recruit some pretty good players in the, in the schoolboy program as well. So what, what was what what were the like the main challenges in terms of being a manager going in as head of lead foundation? And then what were the main? Was it difficult? I mean, because you've you've come from an environment where you are, you've they've just created the role and you're almost first in it. Now you've come to where someone's been before and you've got staff there. Were there any challenges in terms of did you want to change the program or change things and that sort of thing? What what was that like? Quite a big challenge actually, because the person who'd been the Lean Foundation first coach before me was then actually the promoted to academy manager. Um, All right, yeah, following those footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like. All right, okay. So, you know, it's kind of like having to, to manage up, really, because um, it was a case of, right, th- this is what's in place now. Uh, he was obviously now the academy manager and, and ultimately my boss. And and so it was kind of, you don't want to go in and go, all right, yeah. Yeah, no big changes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's rip this up. And yeah, exactly. Rubbish. Gonna... So, yeah, so it was, it was kind of like... Um, 
yeah, it was it was just having to make some small changes along the way. Um, and again, I think prob- probably the good thing was that it was um, almost kind of like a, a brand new um, management team, if you like, the academy management team. So Kieran, who was Lee Foundation Fair's coach, had been promoted to academy manager. Richie had just come in. I'd gone in that season. Uh, Jamie Milligan had gone in as youth development phase coach. And it was it was kind of all new, so so we so we did look to implement quite a lot of changes. So yeah, it, it was good. And, and I so think, then it's gone. And I think obviously I'd I'd kind of learned from the the two or three years at Accrington, and my thinking around curriculums and programs had evolved, um, and then obviously bouncing ideas off people like Kieran and, and Richie, you'd been at Everton and Blackburn before added into that. And, and I think um, every kind of job that I've had, um, you, you just kind of get better and evolved, aren't you? And, and you know, things seem to improve really. Yeah. So how long were you there at Blackpool? Two years at Blackpool. And uh, so then you, so then, so how did the, the, the job at Preston come about? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm I'm from Preston, uh, local to Preston, and um, to, towards the end at, at Blackpool, I think because of problems off the pitch in terms of the owners and stuff, it was it was and and, and the fans and, and kind of how they perceived the owners at the time, it, it was getting pretty tough. So um, I, I actually got a, a phone call from someone at Preston who I'd, who I'd previously worked with briefly at Accrington and just said, would I be interested? Um, I think the, the person who was lead foundation phase coach at the time had moved on to another club. Um, and yeah, it, that, that opportunity came up and, and I jumped at it really. Uh, I'd been a season ticket holder at Preston and my dad's a season ticket holder at Preston. So it was, it was yeah, just a great opportunity really. So then, so the same question. Then, what what were the first impressions when you went into Preston? What's it, what were the major differences or similarities between there and Blackpool? Um, straight away, um, differences at the time that the football club as a whole just seemed a lot more stable, um, and it was it was it was kind of a different trajectory at the time when I'd gone in, gone into Preston. Um, they had just gone up to the championship from from league one so I think everyone was was kind of positive and and it was uh, the club was was on the up if you like um, and there was just a lot of stability at the club and and I think straight away you just noticed um, all the processes that were in place were, were, were really good and yeah it was everyone just seemed to have a plan and an idea of, and and each of P had been going a, a few, a good few years then, and they mm. had a, a good curriculum in place. So, so I think from Accrington, when it was kind of completely coming up with with a program, then Blackpool, it was um, really adding quite a lot of meat to the to the bones, if you like, of kind of a program that was had, had been put in in place, but there wasn't loads to it then at Preston it was already in place it had already been going for a few years and then it was just kind of tweaking it a little bit if you like and and you know and just kind of seeing the the bits that really worked and how can we get them better and trying to find out the bits that didn't work and, and maybe just slightly changing them so yeah so I mean yeah we all know like you go to a club and you think wow that's good you know I haven't seen that before that sort of thing give us a couple of like any sort of things that used to stood out when you went to Preston you thought well they're really good I want to sort of take those away wherever I go the rest of my career yeah I think one of the things that at Preston that were, was already in place and and I think that's it's going on now in, in a lot of clubs they all they already had a futsal program in place at Preston um, and um, and I think that just added some real variety to our program. Um, it just it just gave us something different um, to work with with the younger players, and and I'd, I'd never really done much futsal before, um, 
And I felt that was a real, a real positive in our program. And I kind of built on that for about, for the six years that I was at Preston. At first it was very much just futsal sessions and, and coaching sessions, you know, just using the futsal ball and, and just doing a little bit. And, and then by the end, I'd kind of introduced a, a futsal games program, um, something that Cat 3 Academies didn't really have. Um, so in the end, I, I'd put in like a Champions League style futsal tournament, um, which, which we did every week with the foundation phase players at Preston. So I think that was something that was already there and I, and I built on, um, which really worked for us at the time. So, and how long were you at Preston? Six years. Six years. So you, so you, so you decided to give up the son of Preston and go to the, uh, the Baltic cold of up in the, the Bodo Glimt up in Norway. Tell yeah. us about that, that extreme. That's a bit of a bit of a jump in it. That's a bit of a change, cultural shift for you. How did that come about? What was the, what was the thought process behind that? Yeah. Um, so I think I've always enjoyed traveling. Um, obviously, I went out to America, coastline America. Um, I did a lot of traveling and, and coaching in different countries with, with Man United soccer schools. And at, at the time at Preston, I think I'd, I'd been there for six years. I'd done a couple of years at, at Blackpool. I'd done two or three years at Accrington as well. And um, I just really felt that I wanted to do something completely different. Um, and I think, I think I was looking at ahead to maybe the future as well. I didn't want to move out to Norway forever, but I just wanted a different experience and a different way of working uh, with the younger players. So in Norway, they don't sign uh, academy players until 13. Um, so obviously it's kind of like a race over here, isn't it? At six, seven and eight to find all those... those um, those players to get into your program um but over in norway obviously they work with them for a little bit longer and then and then they'll make those decisions at the age of 12 so i just wanted to see how that worked really and uh the fact that greg was there as well um who was someone that i'd i'd read lots of his articles and things and, and i just wanted to work with, with greg as well and just experience a different culture really how did that, was it advertised job then? How did that come about? You just saw it advertised and applied or what was that? Yeah, yeah. Free, free CV and that sort of thing. Yeah, so it advertised, thought, oh, um, yeah, that'd be interesting. I'll throw my CV in, actually didn't really think much of it at the time. And yeah, I've spoken to Greg. I think quite a lot of people apply for that job, actually. So I, I, I'm pretty pleased that I ended up getting it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they actually used the app and just pre in lockdown and stuff and and I, was, I know Greg as well they've had on the show he's top I mean they're a very innovative club from academy to first team aren't they so yeah one of the top clubs in Scandinavia yeah it, it, honestly I, I think I was there for eight nine months uh, in the end just 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 due to COVID and travel restrictions and uh, quarantine rules and stuff but yeah in those eight nine months it's just incredible just to see a, a club that size just how they work and, and yeah, it's, it's... So let's just, and let's give some of these, the juicy details. That's what we all want to hear then. Because so you, your role is like head of six to twelves or something like that, right? Is that right? Yeah. So then, so then tell us a bit of that. I mean, so for example, is it just like the under eights program in England where it's a free-for-all, like players go to all different clubs and that age or you're just trying to, you can't, you know, that sort of thing? No, completely different. So, um, <laughs> so because of the, the geography of, of Norway, so... I'll give you an example. So the, the closest professional club to the north was Trumser, which is a six-hour drive north. The closest oh. professional club south is Rosenberg, which is a six to seven-hour drive. So oh. in the county of Nordland, basically no other professional clubs for, for hours and hours around. So um, basically all those players in Nordland, Glimt have got kind of... Carte Blanche. And I suppose that... Oh, I suppose that's a difference, though, isn't it? They don't, they don't need to sign players until they get to 13 because they're not going to go anywhere else. It's too far. Yeah, yeah. So, so so that's one advantage. But I think um, the, the job, my job really was um, to work with those clubs, so all the local clubs in, in, the, in the city. They call it a city, but it's not a city. 
it's a town. There's only fifty thousand people in Buda. Um, wow. Uh, and so it was it was to work with all those clubs, work with the coaches, um, work with the players in, in those grassroots clubs. Um, Glimpse actually has a, a grassroots section as well. Uh, and to work with all the, the clubs and the coaches in the in the partner clubs around the, the county. And, and I think the setup of grassroots football over there was the big difference for me to, to over here. Um, so the, 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 which, which school you went to in Buda, uh, age six to 12. So if you went to a certain school, you played for a certain grassroots club. Um, so the kind of the, the, the town was sectioned off. And basically, wherever you lived, that's the grassroots club that you played for. So there was none of these super teams, where, you know, where, where they go around and... Tapping up everyone. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and they're all moving around and they're all playing for yeah. the team. So I think that was good because it was just fair. Wherever you lived, that, that's who you played for. And then, and I think the collaboration between Glimt and all the clubs in the, in the town was incredible. So we kind of wrote the programme... Um, for our club and then we shared it with all the other clubs in the in the town and they were like yeah oh, that's great yeah and, and they just kind of worked off the same hymn sheet really and it was i'd go out and watch uh games from six to twelve and you didn't there was no like keepers booting the ball and launching it and and you know and trying to win games and stuff you know they were all trying to play that you know kind wow. of it was it was great to see and, and it was great to see the buy-in of each and every club in the town and in the county to kind of develop young players in, in the same way. I suppose I suppose in effect they're just your development centres, aren't they? Well they are your development centres and they're just, you know, coaching yeah. the way you want them to coach. Got a massive yeah. network. That's quite interesting. So then um what what so what was what, what sort of what the, in terms of recruitment, how many sort of players did you have to choose from? What was the sort of, you know, there's only fifty thousand people in the Area, so there's you know, coming that many of the players around, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, under under 12, so 11, under 11 and under 12, basically, you would, um, in the in the in the, the teams that are in the city, you would basically we would probably be have like, um, they didn't use the word elite, they called it like a city group, uh, and they would basically have around 20 to 30 players who they would come in and give extra training to. In, in our sessions um, and then and then at, at the end of under 12s they would maybe sign 11 or 12 of those players for the for the city team um, to go into the academy but then the interesting thing about in nowhere because the county was so huge geographically um, you can bring players in from partner clubs um, and they can also play for the academy teams as well. So it was, you would basically sign players who lived in the city, but then you could also play, when you play national games and things, you could bring them in from from other partner clubs around the county. It's really so then you, so, so you so you didn't have a, you didn't have teams then from six from six to twelve six to eleven but then at thirteen oh. that's when they first have a team so you're yeah. just basically putting on an extra training for big groups throughout those younger age groups yeah 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 and they, and I assume those they're changing all the time the sort of the kids that are in there and stuff or what yeah so at elevens and elevens and twelves it was probably yeah it was you probably. Um, you probably then know around the best twenty or thirty players in, in the town. So like I say, it's not a, it's not a huge place, and you've yeah. on and, and you watch all the games and stuff. And then it's just kind of in that under twelve season, it's just then watering down that group to, mm. to maybe eleven or twelve. And what was like the level of players like compared to you know Blackburn or Preston? Yeah, so a lot. I've I've had this question. A lot of people have asked me this question. It's really interesting especially for a town so small I would say that in in all the in all the groups there is maybe one or two at the at the top end of the group who I would say are probably that cat one players right um, all right one or two um and then there's probably a, another little group behind that of maybe another three or four maybe five who probably would. Um, 
they were probably coping like a cat three games for cat two or cat three program if you like yeah yeah but then then probably towards the bottom end of the group that's probably when um some of them boys will probably struggle in in, in the academy system back back in England um but but yeah I would say that um t- top end that there are usually a, a couple of players in there who you know you, you would take uh, probably in a cat yeah. program Interesting, isn't it? Especially for a culture that's in the snow for six months of the year. Um, but I mean, as obviously I'm half Swedish, so I sort of know the region, like, you know, very sport obsessed cultures up in there and very naturally athletic as well. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of athletes in that type of the world, don't you? That part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And they, 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 you know, they absolutely love it. And I think um, the, the way school is set up really helps because like, um, they would finish school at about half one, two o'clock, and then they'd, they'd be coming in to us. Um, mm. like we had a big, huge indoor hall, and we'd, and we'd be putting sessions on in the afternoons. Um, so the fact that school finishes so early, um, it, that obviously allows you to to get a bit of extra time with them. And tell us about the practically. What was the curriculum like? What sort of what, was, what sort of stuff were you you delivering? Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> They, um, the, the youngest age groups, they had a, a, a really, really good program already in place. And it was, it was very much, um, very much concentrated on um, some, some technical work, obviously, you know, working on, on the technique, but, but very much all around uh, 1v1s, 2v1s, 2v2s. And it was really, really, um, age specific and it, it was I think someone had done some some really good work um in Glimpse uh prior to me going in and and like I say the, the good thing was that all the coaches bought into it it was uh it was all stuff around first attacker second attacker first defender second defender and and the 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 thing I liked the most is they, they taught the, the young players. So it, was, it wasn't just a case of, yeah, set this game up and, and just go and, go and let them play. Um, there was some really good detail um, that they were giving to the young players. So, yeah, it was, it was good. So, um, so then tell us then about then your, your current role. You, you decided to leave Bodo Glimt and what, how did that come about and why, what was the decision to go back home? Yeah. Um, so when I, took, when I took the job at Glimt, um the agreement was that for the first six months uh, I would be able to travel back see my wife and my, and my two girls every three weeks um spend three or four days at home and, and then fly back out to to Buda um the club they were also gonna fly fly my wife and, and girls out a couple of times in the first six months just to see how they liked it and then after six months we were going to make the decision uh, around whether they were going to come out and, and live in Buda with me or whether the travelling backwards and forwards worked out. Um, obviously, <laughs> the, the times that we were in with, uh, with COVID didn't allow that. Um, quarantine rules were 14 days. So if I'd have flown back here and then flown back out to Norway, I would have had to just be in quarantine for, for two weeks every time I went back. Mm. So I just wouldn't have been able to, to do any work. Um, actually, there, there wasn't really much COVID in, in the Arctic Circle in Buda. I think mm. the most when I was there, there was only, I think the most cases we ever had at once was maybe five or, or six mm. in the town. So I just really couldn't, it, I couldn't get home. I think in seven months, I think I only got back home once at Easter for, for 10 days. Uh, my wife and, and girls didn't get a chance to come over um, and, and see Buddha. And then obviously it came to, to the first summer that I was out there. Um, and the plan was to come home for, for a number of weeks. The club were great. And they said, yeah, just, just go home for, for four weeks and spend some time with your family and then come back out. Um, and I think, I still think at the time last summer, there were still question marks around travel restrictions and, and quarantine rules and things like that. So 
Um, and then, yeah, the opportunity came up at Blackburn. So it was it was a it was a big decision, really. It was I loved um, Glint and my time working with Greg and and all the other guys in in Buda and it was a great club and a, and a great project. Um, but then the lure of coming back home, um, Blackburn, like good academy, um, always one that I've admired when when I've been working here in in the northwest. Trust young players, um, yeah, and and so in the end, the decision was it was all around family and 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 the program that they have in place at Blackburn and the club. So yeah, it was a tough decision because because I enjoyed my time there, but. Yeah, it was just just being with family and stuff probably made that. So let's so then so then talk about that then because it's Blackburn is a big club, you know, big history, big life. It's a very successful academy. What was it like? What were the first impressions going in there like? What were the first things you sort of think? Wow, well, this is you know a bit different or anything? Oh, in, incredible! So like just the first thing, like the first day I went in, um, Stuart, the academy manager, said, "Right, I'll, I'll I'll walk you around to introduce you to everyone." I just remember thinking, "Oh my." there's so many people that work here <laughs> it was like i'd only ever worked in in cat three before and and it was quite a small team at, at, at buddha um and i just remember thinking i have no idea what anyone's name is here like i'd, I'd met so many people and yeah just just the the sheer volume of staff um sports science uh the number of physios, the number of analysts, and obviously, you know, it's like Cat One program. You have to have a certain number of staff yeah. in all the departments, and that was that was the biggest thing to me, especially when I first started. And tell us about just, I mean, no, tell us tell us about your program then, your program now. Tell us about the the syllabus there, about Blackburn. How's that work for the foundation phase? Do you have like a do you have like a, a tactical cycle, technical cycle? Give us some of the just some some details. Yeah, so we so work in. Um, we work in four week uh, blocks, if you like. Um, so we'll we'll work um, four weeks on on uh, like an in possession theme. So playing through the thirds. Um, so so we do we do. Uh, sorry, no, sorry. It's two two weeks, uh, and in, in in total, it's an eight week cycle, if you like. Right. So we'll work two weeks on playing through the thirds. An in possession cycle. We'll work for a couple of weeks on. Uh, we call it fight zone. So it, that's basically out of possession. So it's um, winning the ball back. And then there's two transition um, topics. So uh, attacking transitions, and then um, defending transitions as well. So so it's it's like an it's like an eight week cycle, if you like. Um, so yeah, playing through the thirds fight zone, uh, attacking transition, and then uh, reactive pressure. Um, and then to give, give, give us like a bit of a taste, what would a typical session look like on there? Is it like Monday, what, what you train three times a week, I assume? and Three times a week, game. yeah. yeah. And is it like, is it, are, are those those sessions themed? Does there a different thing to each of those sessions or it's just a session in there? Yeah, yeah. So each of those sessions are themed. So um, what we're, we're slightly um tweaking it at the moment um and so what it what it's going to look like is um <clears throat> there's going to be uh three the three sessions so for example um playing through the thirds it's going to be where the first session is on um building the attack um so that's kind of going to be situated in the the our defending third so kind of building from the keeper and from from the defenders so it's just to give the the players and the coaches um just a little bit of um an idea of uh how it all relates to the game um the next session is then going to be situated in, in the middle third of the pitch so it's creating the attack so um starting things from from that middle third and then the the, the last session of the week is um, finishing the attack. So that's going to be final third stuff. And that's yeah. going to be the same for each one. So so again, uh, in the fight zone sessions, uh, first session would be uh, like defending from, from the front. So in, in our attacking, so trying to win the ball back really high. 
What does that look like? The second session, what does it look like when you're, when you're trying to win the ball back in midfield? Uh, and then the third session, um, defending in like, like emergency defending in your, in your own box and in, in your own um, defensive third. Gives us a taste of um, what a tip gives us like a typical session Monday night. What that might look like. Give us, you know. Yeah. So um, we give the the coaches quite a bit of, of freedom in terms of so they've got uh, the topic, they've got kind of um, the area of the pitch that, they, that they're going to be working in. But then the way we set it up, there, there's kind of f- um, four phases to our sessions. So phase one is um technical work so like, like closed technical practices um and, and if they want they can they can choose that uh, as part of their session the phase two is like 1v1s or, or, or 2v1s so small stuff phase three is probably a few more numbers so it might be like um i don't know like a a, a directional possession practice or something like that so maybe 3v3s or 4v4s um, and then the, the phase four is um, looks like the game really um, so there's a little bit of freedom for the coaches to decide what they do and, and when they do it and, and how long they spend on it um, I think I like it because sometimes if you're too prescribed and you say right you, you have to do this spend this long on this and this long on this I sometimes think that doesn't really fit to, to what the players need to what the individual players and, and what the group might need so they might want to spend a little bit more time on on a certain element to the to the session yeah and that's what you want as a coach in it you want to go yeah. you want to be trusted to deliver right rather than saying do this here do that there I think that's great you know yeah great so, way to approach it and, and I think the good thing is about my role at the moment, I'm not attached to a team. Um, so the, the, the senior um, phase coach roles that myself and John are doing at Blackbird, it's, it's supporting Tony with his head of coaching role. And um, so we're doing quite a lot of um, coach support and coach development with the coaches. So, you know, we get the opportunity to, to watch a lot of the sessions and to, help them with with the planning and stuff and you know we just we do loads and loads of um little conversations around what the sessions look like and asking questions or why did you do that and so it's really good it's, it's, um, and what's what's your cpd program look like for your coaches how, how does that how regularly do you get guys get together and have, do stuff like that yeah 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 so um there's probably like three or four occasions in a season where, where we'll all get together and, and have different kinds of, of CPD. Sometimes it'll be real phase specific stuff. Um, you know, so we might get, um, we might get someone like uh, Pete Sturgis or, or Ian Bateman in to, to, you know, to do something with the, with the foundation phase group. Or I think the last one, actually, um, we observed the, it was like the 18s or the 23. So we actually observed a, a PDP session and looked how that related to a game that they had the following night. I think it was 23s. Um, just just to see kind of that full kind of pathway, if you like, and, and what mm. does it look at the, look like at the, at the top end. Um, so that was really helpful. So there's lo- loads of variety in the in the CPD program. It's, um, it's good. And tell us about tell us about games program. How do you approach the games? Is it in terms of like you know, is it winning mentality? When you know, got to win, win at all costs. You're, you're sticking it in the dinner channels, or is, you know, what's <laughs> what's your approach to games on the weekend? No, I think um, we just use the games program as as an extension of the of the coaching program. Really, um, I think I think it's important that um, the lads want to be competitive and and they and they want to win games. Because you know, if 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 they have that mentality that it doesn't really matter and that mm. um, they're just happy to go and get beat every game, then that's not really what you want. Ultimately, we you know we we play games because we want to win, but it's it's definitely not win at all costs. Um, you know, there's got to be some some thought behind it. You know, as, as long as the kids want to win and want to be competitive, um, that's important. But uh, ultimately, it's got to be um, it's it's got to be an extension of the of the coaching program, really. Do, do do you play certain formations at nines and 
like tens, elevens, or do you do you, you favour certain things, or do they please coach are free and do whatever they want there? Yeah. So what we, what we've done actually, we, we've just implemented this recently actually because at um, YDP and PDP, what what they do every eight week block of work, if you like, they have two formations that they can choose from. So I think at the moment uh, at YDP and PDP, uh, I think they can play four three three or four two three one. Um, so they've got the choice of those two formations that they play. And we've actually just put that in at, at foundation phase. So we've we've kind of tried to find a couple of formations that link in to, to those that, mm. that they're doing at yeah. YDP and PDP. And, and we give them, so at 7v7, you can play this or this. At 9v9, you can play this or this. Um, just the same as what they're doing at um, YDP and PDP. Because I think the thinking behind that is that um, the manager, the first team manager might change and, you know, you might not always be playing the same formation all the time. So I think we think it's really important to give those young players um, a variety of experiences and, and be able to play in a, in a number of different formations. So, uh, yeah, we think that that's helping. Interesting. How many players have we got in the under nines, for example? 11. In our under eleven, so that's almost ooh, could like just quite handy. Like you're playing seven v seven, for example, you got four subs, so that's sort of. I imagine that works out quite well numbers wise in terms of getting yeah. the minutes on the pitch and stuff. Yeah, I think um, we obviously it's in the in the northwest and and, and our program we're we're going up against um, Man United, Man City. Liverpool, Everton, you know, there's, there's there's some big clubs in the area. And, and I think what we found was when, and I think and this was before I went there, but they were taking really, really, really big groups of, of players and uh, going and trying to compete with, you know, like two 7v7s or, or, or three 7v7s or whatever. Uh, it was probably tough for quite a lot of the kids um, because although we're cat one, you know, championship club and, and I've been a league one club. So I think the decision has, has been made to probably take smaller groups now in the foundation phase and then probably add to them, you know, as we go along. Um, and I think from, from what I've seen with our under nines this year, um, that's really, really helped them. So we've got two part-time coaches with that group of, of 11 players. Uh, plus me as well, and, and plus all the, the support staff. And the development of that under nine group has been phenomenal this year, really, just because they've had that real care and that real attention. And yeah, it's been, I think it's been, I think it's been really good having a, having a smaller group. And what was, what's, what did you, how was your approach in terms of playing positions and rotating positions and that sort of thing with that throughout the whole foundation phase? Yeah, so um, we probably do it on an on an individual basis, really. Um, I've thought about this a lot over the years, and, and I know you know I've seen some programs where um, you know that every player rotates around every single position and and things like that. But um, what we try and do is we try and uh, tailor it to each individual, really. So you know, if if there's some kids who you know. You know, all they want to do is defend, and, and all they want to do is, is stop and stuff. Well, actually, they're they're really really good at that. Let's give them loads of opportunities to get better at it. Yeah, we'll give them some other opportunities to improve at, at the other stuff. But actually, they're brilliant at that. Let, you know, let's really try and focus on, you know, on getting them brilliant at it. And similar, you know, if there's someone who just wants to go and score goals and you know, he's brilliant at running off the shoulder and, and you know. Let's let's really support that and really improve that that super strength, if you like. Um, yeah, give them other experiences as well. But there might be some certain individuals who maybe only play one or two one or two positions. And and what about yourself? Um, I mean, looking through your CV, there's a pattern emerging in the foundation phase lead, foundation phase lead, foundation phase lead. Is it that specialist, or would you do you think one day you'd like to to move up and work in different with different age groups? Uh, I I just absolutely love working with them youngest players. Um, just the energy, the enthusiasm, um, how much you can see them 
coming on in, in, a, in a short space of time, really. I think I do my best work with, with the youngest players. Obviously, being a, uh, being a, a full-time member of staff over the years at, at Accrington, at uh, Blackpool, at Preston, and now at Blackburn, I have worked with uh, day release with the with the YDP groups. I've obviously done stuff with with the 18s and stuff at, at the various clubs, and and I really do think that my best work is done with foundation phase players. So I don't really have any ambitions to be a YDP coach or to be a PDP coach. Definitely don't want to be a first team coach. I don't think I could. <laughs> deal, I don't think I could deal with the the pressure of potentially getting sacked, at, you know, all the time. So yeah. Um, Further down the line, um, probably uh, like a head of coaching role or, or an academy yeah. manager role further down the line, that, that interests me because um, I think I have good qualities in terms of uh, organisational skills and um, leadership and management stuff. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty interested in that kind of stuff. So yeah, maybe that further down the line, but not why do you and um, what advice would you give for a young aspiring coach who wants to have a you know a spectacular career like yourself in the game? Give yourself as many um, different experiences as you possibly can get. So try a little bit of everything. Um, you know, work out what works for you. So go and um, coach grassroots kids. Go and um, try and coach. Um, adults gone coaching in girls football just just give yourself loads and loads of different experiences and as much time on the grass as, as you can, can possibly get because I, I think that is that is invaluable just just you know just having time working with players and seeing what works and, and trying things out really and what about, you know, someone who wants to, you know, break into academy football? For example, like you, talk, you said, you know, what do you look for in, in a part-time coach when you're recruiting? Um, yeah, so I, like I said, over the years, I, I've seen a, a lot of people um, trying to, to come into academy football and, it, and it's, you know, it's tough, isn't it? It's really, really tough industry to get into. Um, I think for me, um, what worked for me was just showing that, that level of commitment and, and, and going the extra mile, really. Um, you know, I, I've put in hours and hours of um, stuff that was unpaid and voluntary and um, just, just trying to get those opportunities and to show people just how much it meant to me and, and, and just how much I wanted it. And yeah, I think just showing that commitment level and, and, and how much you, you want to be involved and, 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 you know, how much you want to help young players. It's tough, though. Cool, Ray. Thanks very much, mate. It's been fantastic. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate it. Really enjoyed the chat. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's dynamic ball mastery program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.